Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, <coughs> I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon. Welcome to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts on the air today. This is the show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible or things going on in your life. If you would like to talk about those or if you have a prayer request, we'd love to talk with you and pray for you and answer your questions the number to call, 303, let me get the number for you again, 303-690-3000, 303-690-3000, or text us at 720-336-0897. So once again, call us at 303-690-3000, or text us at 720-336-0897. We want to welcome everyone who's tuning in today. Those of you tuning in uh, here in Colorado and Wyoming, listening to the show live on Grace FM, welcome to the program. We're glad you're here. And we also want to welcome those of you listening on our syndicated stations. Uh, we are syndicated on Hope FM in the Pennsylvania, New Jersey, Maryland area. And we're also now syndicated on Truth FM in Tennessee and parts of North Carolina and Kentucky. So welcome to the program, wherever you're tuning in from today. Just a reminder that those of you listening on the East Coast and the area around Tennessee, you are hearing the program on a one-week delay, which means that you get to call in and then you get to tune in one week from now and then you get to listen to yourself live on the air. So that's cool. So definitely give us a call. We'd love to hear from you wherever you're tuning in today. We also want to give a big hello to everyone who tunes in online. You know that there are so many of you who tune in via the mobile app. There's a great mobile app. If you don't have that, you should definitely get it. Just go into your app store and go uh, type in Grace FM in the search bar and it should pull up that app right away. And you can also listen on the website in your browser at gracefm.com. You can just go straight there to your browser, gracefm.com, and you can click the Listen Live button, and you can listen to the program live there right in your browser. The number to call, 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or text us at 720-336-0897. Once again, 720 720- Three three six zero eight nine seven. So a few words about myself as we're uh, waiting for those calls to come in and for the text messages to roll in. I am the pastor of Whitefields Community Church, which is a church in Longmont, Colorado. We meet in downtown Longmont at the St. Vrain Memorial Building every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. That building is located at 700 Longs Peak Avenue. So if you're in Longmont and you know the area, then you'll know where Main Street is. And we are one block west of Main Street on Longs Peak Avenue. So just one block west of Main. So we're at the corner, northwest corner of Longs Peak Avenue and Kaufman Street. So right there is the St. Vrain Memorial Building. And we are in there every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. 
uh, doing church. And our website is whitefieldschurch.com. You can find more information about us there as well as listen to our past messages and sermons. And uh, we'd love to, for you to connect with us. So whether you're in Longmont or in one of the surrounding communities, whether you're in Frederick, Firestone, Decono area, or Mead, up into Berthoud or Lyons, if you're in North Boulder or Niwot, Erie, Fre- or Erie or Lafayette, we'd love to have you connect with us and uh, worship with us. Maybe you know somebody who lives in this area. Do send them our way. Check us out online again, whitefieldschurch.com. Or check us out online. We're on all the social media, so you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. We're all over the Internet, and we'd love to uh, connect with you and serve you. We have a great children's ministry and an awesome worship team that serves people here in our church, and we'd love for you to be a part of that. So check us out, Whitefields Church in Longmont, Colorado. You can also hear me every weekday on Life in the Field. That is our weekly, our daily radio program that airs every day on Grace FM every weekday at 2.30 p.m. Mountain Time, 2.30 p.m., and then Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. Mountain Time as well. So if for some reason you're not in church on Sunday morning, we'd love to have you tune in and uh, connect with us there on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. on Grace FM. Well, it seems I'm having a little bit of trouble connecting with our producer here. So if you're calling in, just keep calling and Also, you can send us some text messages. I'll definitely get those directly to me. Um, But until we get connected again with the producer here, definitely text messages would be the most effective way to reach me right now. But hopefully we'll get connected again with the producer here in just a second. Again, the text line is 720-336-0897. That's 720-336-0897. Nine seven, And again, the call-in number, and hopefully we can get that call line reestablished here in just a second, but that number is 303-690-3000. This past Sunday, as we were um, studying at Whitefields, what we have been doing, we've been studying this new series we started two weeks ago. It's called Remember the Prophets, and the whole idea for the series comes from a verse in the book of James. So James chapter 5 verse 10 says, remember the prophets. And uh, I'll pull up the verse real quick and I'll, I'll read it to you. But it's interesting because what it's telling us is when it comes to the prophets, don't just read the prophecies they wrote. Don't just think about the things that they said, but go beyond that to actually consider who they were as people. So here's What it says, uh, remember the prophets as examples of suffering and patience, the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Another interesting uh, verse about the prophets as people is found in Hebrews chapter 11, where uh, in Hebrews chapter 11, it's called the Hall of Faith. And it talks about all these great people like Abraham, Moses, and it talks about not just what they said and what they wrote, but who they were and how they lived their lives. And at the end of that section there in Hebrews chapter 11, it says, uh, What more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell you of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, and David, Samuel, and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, and stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, of the sword were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, and put foreign armies to flight. So it's really interesting there. He says, uh, basically, uh, you know, he mentions in detail Abraham, he mentions Jacob, he talks about Moses, 
And then he t says, you know, if I had more time, I would tell you about some other people. I'd tell you about Gideon, Barak, Samson, and I would tell you about the prophets. And so there's this idea that we see a few times in Scripture where it seems that the we are told to consider not just what the prophets said, but who they were. And so that's what we've been doing in this study. And so we're taking about eight weeks here at the beginning of the new year to look at the prophets and who they were and what they how not just what they said, but uh, how they lived. You know, one of the things that I always think about is that when Paul the Apostle in Acts chapter 20, we see that he, after spending three years in the city of Ephesus, he was saying goodbye to the Ephesian elders, probably for life, you know, because travel was so difficult at those times, that he knew that as he left there, he, he also knew that he was going to be facing a lot of opposition in Jerusalem where he was heading. And he knew, you know, there's a very good chance he's never going to see these people again in his life. And these are people who over the course of three years, it says that he taught them every day in the school of Tyrannus. And so these are people that he spent every day with for three years. He was their pastor. He was their friend. He was their companion, their partner in the gospel. And then he's saying goodbye to them probably for life. And it's interesting there, he says to them, you know, it's kind of like famous last words. You should always pay attention when you say goodbye to somebody and, and that what do they say, the last words they say. And Paul's last words to those Ephesian elders there in Acts chapter 20, the first thing he says to them is, I want you to remember the way that I lived among you the whole time that I was with you uh, from the day I came to Asia, which was the name of the province there, not, not the continent of Asia. And that's interesting, you know, that the very first thing he wants them to know, in other words, the most important message Paul ever preached was the message he preached with his life. And that's very challenging for all of us to consider that fact that all of us are preaching a message with our lives. And, you know, it challenges me to say, you know, what would my neighbors say about what I really believe? What would my coworkers say about what I really believe? What would my kids say about what I really believe based on the way that I live my life? And so we're doing that with the prophets as we are studying this series called Remember the Prophets. And in this series, <clears throat> we're going through chronologically. We, we start, should start with Jonah. He was the first of the prophets, the writing prophets in the Old Testament. But we already studied the book of Jonah. So we're just going to start with Amos. So we started Amos the first Sunday of the year last year. We looked at who he was as a fig picker. Interesting, you know, untrained, uneducated fig picker and shepherd from southern the southern kingdom of Judah. And he went up to the north uh, to high society, to a wealthy community, and he preached to them a message from God. Actually, very interesting. He actually insults them. If you ever wondered if there are any fat jokes in the Bible, there actually are. There's one in the book of Amos where he calls them a bunch of cows. And so you can go and look for that. It's in Amos chapter 4. But then this past Sunday, we looked at Hosea. And for me, personally, this was the one that I was looking forward to the most because I love the story of Hosea. It's just been said that Hosea is perhaps the most beautiful, most powerful picture of the gospel in, in the entire Old Testament. And what we see in the book of Hosea is this picture of this man who is called to do something that was we see repeated in other Old Testament books. It's something called an action sermon. And during an action sermon, basically what God would call the prophet to do is not just, um, not just speak about something, but to actually act something out. And that action that they would do would actually send a message to the people. It would be something visceral, something visible for them to see very vividly and for them to feel and to the, for them to relate to. And so what uh, Hosea was called to do is he was called to go and marry a prostitute. And, and that in itself is a picture 
of what God did with his people Israel and what God does with us because prostitution is correlated in the Bible with idolatry. And not just prostitution, but adultery in general is is correlated with idolatry. And that the idea there is that idolatry is any time that we look to something to be or to give us what only God can be or give us. Um, it's when we look when we give away that place in our heart that belongs to God to something else. Uh, Martin Luther said, "Whatever you cling to and rely on most, that is your God. Whether it's the God of the Bible, the God of heaven, or whether it is something else, you know, uh, even whether it's success or fame, or whether it's, um, you know, even family. It, usually, an idol is a good thing that we make into an ultimate thing. And so, the people of Israel had done this. They had they had turned their backs on God. Uh, maybe not really." aggressively turned away from God, but they had turned to idols. They had turned to foreign gods because those foreign gods promised them things which uh, they could manipulate the gods, in other words, by doing certain things in order to get what they wanted. So they were all about their agenda rather than God's agenda for their life. And so this picture is that God went to somebody who was in uh, adultery you know, an idolatry and pulled them out of it, gave them a new name, a new future, placed his love upon them and pulled them out of it and placed their life in a whole new trajectory. And that's what God has done for us. That's the gospel. But here's what's so interesting about the book of Hosea is that this woman then goes back to her adulterous lifestyle. And not only that, but they have one child together. that's definitely Hosea's child. But then after that, she starts having other children. And it, even Hosea seems to not be really sure are these his children or are they the children of somebody else because his wife has been cheating on him? And, you know, you can imagine just how brokenhearted you would be to go through this. And the fact that God called Hosea to do this, to show the people, this is how God feels about what you are doing and, you know, running after other lovers and things like that. And then finally, we see by chapter three of Hosea that she has left him after having three children. She leaves him completely and goes back into this lifestyle of adultery. And he goes and he finds her out on the streets. And it says that by that time she had become a slave and, she, and Hosea purchased his own wife back out of slavery and he purchased her for 15 pieces of silver, which is significant because in the book of Exodus, it says that the minimum price for a slave was 30 pieces of silver, which means that by this time, his wife has just become so degraded and that she has lost value in the eyes of people and basically nobody wants her. It's a very sad picture, but isn't that a picture of, of the gospel as well? You know, that, that we get into these things which hurt us and we become degraded in the process. And yet, who would want somebody like that? Well, here's the answer. Jesus wants somebody like that. He wants somebody like you, no matter where you've been or what you've done. And he comes for you, and he purchased you by his blood, and he redeems you. And so Jose is just a wonderful picture of the gospel. That's what we talked about yesterday at church. And this coming Sunday, we're going to be continuing this uh, series and this study by looking at Isaiah. And this amazing vision that Isaiah got of God that totally changed his attitude about God. It changed his attitude about himself and it changed his attitude about other people. We see that in the very first few chapters of Isaiah, Isaiah is kind of pronouncing these woes on all these nations. You know, woe is you, woe is you. And then he gets this vision of God where he sees God high and lifted up on this throne. And then he, it's interesting because he uses the same word. He says, woe, but he doesn't say, woe is you. He Now he says, woe is me. 
I am a man of unclean lips, and I live amongst the people of unclean lips. And who who will help me? And then it says that God touched him and cleansed him. Also a picture of the gospel. And then God said, Who will I send? Who will go for me? Who can I send into the world to preach my message? And Isaiah says, Here I am, Lord, send me. And I love this whole picture that Isaiah, you know, like many of us, can be, uh, you know, somewhat judgmental and on other people. And, and perhaps not wrongly so. I mean, those people... Those things that he was saying about those nations, uh, they were absolutely true. The, those nations had sinned and fallen into sin. And yet he comes to them and he speaks and he says, um, he gets a vision of God and he says, woe is me. I'm a man of, I need to be saved. And God saves him and then sends him out. And that's such an important picture that we understand that whenever God calls us in, he then calls us to go out. So that's what we're studying in this uh, Remember the Prophets series at Whitefields. You can catch the last couple messages. They're already up online at whitefieldschurch.com. And we'd love for you to just follow along with that series if you're looking for something good to listen to. Looks like we've had a few text messages come in. Uh, still having trouble connecting with our producer here. So still not getting any of your phone calls at the moment. But do keep, in, keep calling in. I, I'm sure there's some problem on the other end. And um, then... I'll give you the text line once again. We've had some people get my message and they've been uh, texting in. So uh, we'll just deal with text messages right now. Go ahead and text me at 720-336-0897. Once again, 720-336-0897. Let's go to our first text message. It says, Happy New Year. I hope you enjoyed the break. Thank you. I did enjoy the break and I'm glad to be back. Let's go to our next one. Um, Pastor, give us your background and your travels. Yeah, I'd love to. Um, so my background, I was born in Northern California. I was born in Napa. And um, then when I was young, I, I moved to Colorado. My parents moved to Colorado. And I grew up in the Denver area. I went to school in Lakewood until eighth grade. And then I moved up north to Arvada. And I went to Pomona High School in Arvada, Colorado, and that's where I graduated from. And it was during that time that I went to Pomona High School that I became a Christian. I had a friend there who I, I drove her to school every day, and um, she was a neighbor of mine. And she led me to the Lord and really helped me to see that, you know, having grown up with a kind of nominal Christian background, that uh, I knew a lot of things about the Bible, but I didn't have a relationship with God. And so this friend of mine helped me to see that and understand that. And she challenged me one day to to read Matthew chapter 7, where Jesus says to these, these people he's talking to, he says, on the last day, people will come to me and they will say, Lord, Lord, uh, we did all these things in your name. And, um, you know, they're expecting to get led into heaven and welcomed into heaven. And Jesus does not do that. He says, go away from me, you evildoers. And he says, because I never knew you. And this friend of mine asked me, is that you? Are you that person who thinks that you know God, but in reality, you don't. You don't actually have a relationship with God. And and that was really the catalyst. That conversation was the catalyst for me. Looking into the gospel, reading the Bible, and coming to, uh, God used that to really bring me to a relationship with him. And so I Gave my life to the Lord. I embraced the gospel when I was 16 years old in uh, Arvada, Colorado. And I got involved with a great church, which just happened to be a Calvary Chapel. It wasn't called Calvary Chapel. It was called Crossroads Church of Denver. 
And in fact, I didn't even know that they had any relation or ties to any other churches for a couple of years after I started going there. And then I started to get involved with some of their mission trips. So after I got out of high school, I was working in a snowboard shop over in Denver West, that uh, uh, Christie Sports over there in uh, Lakewood Golden Area. And I, um, I got invited to go on a mission trip to Hungary with uh, the assistant pastor of the church, a guy named Pete Nelson, who's now pastoring in Southern California. And Pete invited me to come with him to Hungary to a conference that he was speaking at. And I got to just, um, I was just basically hanging out, but also seeing the work that God was doing over there. He just wanted me to see it and experience it for myself. So I went along with him and I met some really great people. And what I saw over there in Hungary uh, and in Ukraine, where we were, was that people, they were starting new churches. And uh, they you know, they were, these were people, missionaries going, they were starting new churches, they were raising up local leaders and then handing over the churches, and then they'd go and do it again somewhere else. And I just thought, oh my gosh, this is the book of Acts, you know, and these, this is a place where there are very few Christian churches, much, much let alone like Bible teaching strong churches. And, um, and I just was convicted that, man, I want to help these people and do this mission because this is something worth sacrificing for and worth living for. And, you know, one of the things they were doing is their evangelism was tied to their church. And I thought that's a, such an important model because I think that evangelism needs to lead into discipleship. And so we would evangelize, they would disciple people in these churches, they would hand them over, just such a wonderful thing. And I thought, you know, I want to be part of something like this. I felt this great conviction that the stronger parts of the body of Christ, meaning the parts with more resources, people, uh, finances, etc., which would be like us here in North America, really have an obligation to reach out to the weaker parts of the body of Christ around the world. And so I said, you know, I didn't have any money, but I had time and energy. And so I said, I'll go over there and I'll be there for eight months. I, it was my original commitment. I'll go. I moved there in January. And I said, I'll stay there for eight months. This is January 2002. And so during the time that I was there, we started a ministry towards high school students. And I was part of a ministry towards refugees. We had refugees from Afghanistan. It was right after 9-11. Thousands of refugees from Afghanistan. And many of them started to become Christians as we would reach out to them and give them Bibles in their own languages. And uh, we saw people from all over the world, you know, becoming Christians. I taught a Monday night Bible study at the church there that I worked in there in Debrecen, Hungary, Eastern Hungary. And we were seeing people from all over the world becoming Christians, many people from Muslim countries becoming Christians. It was just a very exciting time. And this youth outreach we started was bearing so much fruit. And so I ended up staying. And I stayed there for 10 years. And I ended up planting two churches in Northeast Hungary, in uh, kind of regional capitals up there in the cities of Eger and uh, Hevesh, Hungary. And then after some time there, when we were ready, when we had planted those churches and raised up local leaders to take them over, we were praying about where to go next. And I got called from that same guy, Pete Nelson, that guy who had taken me over to Hungary in the first place. And he said, hey, um, he, at the time he was pastoring Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. He had planted it and he told me, hey, I am praying about going somewhere else and I was wondering would you pray about taking over Whitefields and being the pastor here and at that time the church was about five six years old and I prayed about it and I did I ended up saying yes and I came here in 2012 moved to 
beautiful Longmont, Colorado, on the banks of the mighty St. Vrain River. If you uh, are in Longmont, you know about that. You know, St. Vrain River isn't very mighty, but uh, that's one of our slogans here is Mighty St. Vrain. And, you know, Whitefields has grown probably about, um, you know, it's it's more than doubled in size since I've been here. And it's been very exciting to see uh, what God's doing. We're on the verge of kind of moving into our own building. And it's just been a very exciting time. And we have a great group of leaders and a great group of people who show up every Sunday and are just excited about the word. I remember I used to visit Whitefields when I would when I lived in Hungary, when Pete had first started the church. And that was the thing, you know, I would speak at a lot of churches as a missionary. And whenever I came to Whitefields, I was like, man, these people are excited about the Bible. Like these people, there was just such a great vibe at Whitefields, like loving, gracious people. And so I, I'm happy to be, so when Pete offered, you know, that I could come here and, and become pastor of this church, I was really excited about that. And, you know, from here in Colorado now, we are able to send out missionaries and support missionaries in other parts of the world. And that's been very exciting. And so I still get to be involved in international ministry in just a couple of weeks. Actually, I'm heading over to Ukraine to, to teach at a leadership conference with our worship pastor here at Whitefields. And so we're really looking forward to that. So thank you for uh, letting me. Yeah, thanks for that question. That's like, you know, lobbing me the softball there and letting me uh, talk about uh, my background and travel stuff that I love talking about. One of the things I love in the Psalms is that the psalmist says, you know, Lord, I will tell of your wondrous deeds. I will tell of your great deeds. And so I think that's one of the obligations we have as Christians is to tell those stories for God's glory, those stories that we have. And so, um, yeah, thank you for uh, that question. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. I'm taking your calls and texts on the air today. But really today, I'm just taking your texts because I am having trouble connecting with the station manager over there in Aurora. I have a remote setup here in Longmont and uh, I'm having trouble connecting with the uh, producer in Aurora. So I'm not getting any of your calls, but definitely do call in and and hopefully we can get that set up. The number to call is 303-690-3000. Or you can text us. And right now that's definitely the best way to do it is to text me at 720-336-0897. Again, the text line, 720-336-0897. Let's go to our next texter who says this, A friend of mine is the daughter of a pastor who was a strong Christian in her youth. So I I take it you mean that um, the daughter of the pastor was a strong Christian in her youth, and now she does not believe in God and describes the whole thing as fake. Would she still be saved? Well, you know, the the difficult thing with this is that we don't know, you know, if her faith in the past was genuine or not. And really, we can't say that. It would be, uh, you know, overstepping my knowledge and my bounds to say that her faith in the past was genuine or that it's uh, that now she's saved or saved. I don't know. But I, I will tell you this, that um that if she's denying the Lord, then my inclination would be to believe that she's not. Now, I really hope that she is, but it would seem that she's not. Again, only God knows this, and I'm really glad that he decides those things and not me, because that would be uh, a very difficult thing to have to be in charge of. But you know what? I would I would treat your friend as an unbeliever. I would treat her as someone who has a lot of knowledge about God, and I don't believe that that knowledge is in vain. You know, I believe that God, um, 
can use that in her life. You know, she's got the basics. She knows a lot of the basic things about God. But now, you know, clearly she's struggling with something. So I don't know uh, where she's at at all. But I would really encourage her to reach out and find answers to those questions or doubts that she has. Because here's what I've found. I mean, not only does the Bible say that, right? Like, seek and you will find, knock and it will be open to you. You know, you, you seek me and you will find me when you seek me with your whole heart. I think those things are all true. The other thing I think is that there are a lot of um, really great answers out there to a lot of the serious doubts and questions that people have. And just last year, one of the things we did at our church is we did a series which was based on this idea of you know, what are the number one questions that people have when it comes to faith and struggles? Uh, and I'll get back to that thought in just two minutes. It looks like that's the music. So we are at the halfway point in our show, and we will be back in two minutes' time. You're listening to Calvary Live. Text us at 720-336-0897. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon. Welcome back to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts on the air today. And hey, I was able to get back in touch with the producer of the show. It looks like we're all set. So, um... We're going to go ahead and go to another call in just a second, but I want to finish what I was saying to that texture just a minute ago. You were asking about a friend of yours who was a daughter of a pastor, seemed to have faith as a youth, and now is claiming it's all fake. My advice is, really, you want to talk to this person and tell them that there are really good, solid answers out there and that they're available, and hopefully she can get a lot of her questions answered. And, you know, I really do believe that when the Word of God goes out, it doesn't uh, come back void. It, it uh, accomplishes that which it was sent out to accomplish. And so um, here's one thing I was going to tell you. We did a series at our church last year, which was very effective. It was called The Trouble Is. And it was the idea was like, let's tackle the six biggest topics that people say, here's why I can't believe Christianity, or here's why I can't commit to Christianity. Everything from Christians are hypocrites to I can't trust the Bible to science has probably disproven the Bible to all of these things, you know, doesn't the Bible subjugate women, minorities, all of these kind of big questions that a lot of people say, these are the reasons that I can't, you know, this is my trouble with Christianity. And we addressed all of those. If you go to our website, whitefieldschurch.com, go to sermon section, and then look under series, you'll find the link to that series called The Trouble Is. Go on there. You can listen to those. They're by far our most listened to series on our website. In fact, the most listened to sermon on our website last year was the one about hypocrisy, about how Christians are hypocrites. Because that is the number one answer that people give, by the way, statistically, for why they reject Christianity. And so we, we called it directly. This coming year, right after Easter, we're going to do another similar series, kind of based on the same, just because that one was so important for our church and people have used those and sent those to other people and lots of people have been listening to them. We're going to do a similar series called I Could Never Believe in a God Who and we're going to tackle some uh, topics along that line like I Could Never Believe in a God Who you know allowed genocide in the Old Testament or who um, you know says the things that he says about uh, gender and sexuality and so that that's going to be um, 
what we're going to be tackling soon. But my final thought is just, hey, help your friend find the answers to her questions. Try and really converse with her, engage her in her conversation, find out why it is that she claims that these things are not true. And the fact is that there are a lot of really great answers out there. If she's willing to consider them, I think she'll be convinced. Now, if she's already made up her mind, so to say, and doesn't want to listen to facts, well, then that's a different issue altogether. But either way, be praying for your friend. Just as Paul the Apostle said, I pray for the people of Israel that they would be saved. Thanks for that question. Let's go to Edmund on line two in Aurora, Colorado. Hi, Edmund. Thanks for holding. Hey, how's it going? Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah. What's up? Uh, yeah, so I just had a, um, uh, I was going to ask for some advice. Um, I'm soon to get married and um, just trying not to bring, um, I just want before we get married to have no baggage going into um, our marriage. Mm-hmm. And so I was just thinking about um, kind of the things I've done uh, in regards to immorality in the past. Um, and just wanting to talk with, um, uh, for us to just talk about those things. And I, I don't know, I wanted advice on how, how um, detailed or brief I should be in kind of like unbagging those things um, to my fiance. Yeah, I think that that's a very good idea for you to talk about those things with her and really get everything out on the table. But I I would actually warn you against going into too much unnecessary detail. And I say unnecessary, yeah. and I realize that's that, that word's open for interpretation. But, um, yeah. you know, in some ways, I think that uh, that could cause unnecessary, I don't want to say anxiety in your spouse uh, or in your fiancé. I would I would let her kind of drive the bus on like how deep you go into that. But I would just encourage you, you know, answer her questions and be open about it and just be tell her, "Hey, I'm an open book and I'll tell you anything you want to know." You know, just tell her, "Hey, you know, I I was involved in some immoral things and I'll tell you as much or as little as you want to know about it." But just tell her, you know, that you've repented of those things and uh that you don't want to go back into them again because you know how destructive they are. And ask her to really help you with that, to to keep you accountable and to pray with you and pray for you. Nice, nice. Thank you for your advice. Yeah, uh, that's that's good advice for sure. Um, All right, well, let me me pray for you. And um, yeah, that's great that you're getting married. I'm excited for you. Let's pray for you. Heavenly Father, pray for Edmund. And thank you, Lord, for the fact that you brought him... uh, future spouse and they're getting ready to be married lord i pray that their marriage will be built on the foundation of you jesus the foundation of the word of god and i thank you for the work that you're doing uh in their lives and in edmund's heart that he would want to uh just divulge everything that could be helpful to his uh, future spouse lord i pray you give them both wisdom with knowing how much detail is necessary lord i also pray that you give edmund strength to uh really be fulfilled in his in his uh, fiance and his wife uh, to come and not to turn to these things which are ultimately destructive. They might be pleasurable for a moment, but ultimately they cause pain and destruction on both sides. And so, Lord, I pray that you would keep him out of those things, Lord, that he would experience the happiness which comes from holiness. And, Lord, we remember that your ways are always for our good. And so I pray for their marriage that it would be strong and healthy in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, bro. I appreciate it. You bet. God bless you.
Bye-bye. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts on the air today. The number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's go back to our text line. I am once again having trouble with... uh, reaching the producer of the show. So let's go back again to the text line. We had lots of great uh, texts come in, so let's deal with those for now. We read this one text. It says, I understand that as Christians we are to forgive people who sin against us, but are we also commanded to forget the sin? So my answer to that would be, well, it depends by what you mean by forget. And um, see, here's the thing. It's a good question to ask. Can we actually erase from our memories things that we remember? Can we actually erase memories? I don't know. We can probably certainly suppress memories, right? They talk about that a lot. But can we actually erase memories from our minds? Meaning that if something happened to us, can we actually forget it? And I I wonder what exactly you mean by that. Um, you know, another another good thing that people say about well god they'll say oh well god forgives our sins and then forgets them well it says actually doesn't say that he forgets our sins did you know that it actually says here's what it says that he will remember them no more and what that word remember what that phrase remember them no more it doesn't mean that god you know can't recall them to memory like he erases them from the hard drive and no longer they're no longer there what it means is that he will recall them to memory no more he won't remember he won't recall them he, in other words it's like saying this he won't throw them in our face again he won't hold them over our head again in other words they've been dealt with they're done and he's not going to so to say use them or call them up against us in the future and that is what it means to truly forgive somebody. It means, you know, if I have forgiven you, then I am going to recall it to memory no more in the sense that I, I won't bring it up to use it against you or throw it against you or hold it over your head. Now, does that mean that I don't remember that it happened? Well, no, probably not. Like, I can still remember stuff even if I try to forget things. And um, the the other thing is, is this, that... Um, there are sometimes when it would be proper to forgive someone something, but to not forget it. And and let me explain what I mean by that. Sometimes when people use this idea like, hey, you should forgive and forget, what they're saying is, hey, you know, you should forgive me for what I did and you should immediately trust me again. And I just want to say that trust and forgiveness are two different things. Forgiveness can happen the moment, right? Like I can forgive you, but trust is something that you build up over time and something that can be lost in a moment. But once it's been lost, it has to be built up again. And sometimes it's harder to build it up over time. Now you might say, well, if you're really a forgiving person, then, you know, you will trust me also. Well, hey, hey, wait a second. No, that's not necessarily true. In fact, in some cases, it would be absolutely unwise to do that, right? Like if you, um, like, let's say we're talking about substance abuse, and let's say, you know, uh, I used to be a substance abuser, let's say an al- alcoholic, and, well, now God has forgiven me, and I did things when I did that that needed to be forgiven by other people, and then so I say, hey, I've stopped doing that, now let's forgive it and forget it. Does that mean that you're, 
you should treat me the same way as you would treat a person who hasn't had a history of substance abuse? No, you know, you probably shouldn't invite me to a bar or you probably shouldn't, uh, you know, uh, do those things. In the same way, you know, we, we had a, a situation at one place where I was ministering where we had a person who had a background uh, in molesting children and he had gone to jail for it and he was on a list. And, you know, we told him, hey, you cannot minister to, you know, children and youth and he was very upset by that he said hey you know god has forgiven me why don't you and we said we absolutely do you know what well, you didn't do it against us but you know we we have no problem uh understand that you're forgiven nor do we have a problem saying that you're redeemed and that god has perhaps transformed you but it would be unwise for us to put you in a situation where you would be tempted and other people might be hurt and in a moment of weakness and so you know I just want to emphasize that, that forgiveness and trust are two different things. And to try to say that, you know, just as you can forgive someone in an instant, that you should also trust someone uh, in an instant is is unwise. And the Bible gives us a lot of advice about having wisdom and using practical wisdom. So I hope that answers your question. Thanks for the text. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. Looks like we got connected again with the producer. So let's go to Deborah in Lakewood, Colorado. Hi, Deborah. Welcome to the program. Hi, Pastor. Thanks for calling. What's up? Oh, uh, yes, Pastor. Um, my my little cousin, he's um 27, mm-hmm. and he committed suicide last month, and Sorry he also that. killed his lover. So, um, I, it's just been on my mind. I was just wondering, I've, I've been studying Luke over and over, but I just want to know, do, do you be forgiven? Do God forgive you for that, even though it was suicide and a murder? Right. Yeah, you know, I think that God can forgive those sins. You know, it's, the Bible says that there is only one sin which will not be forgiven people, and that is blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. And what blasphemy against the Holy Spirit refers to is that the, the work of the Holy Spirit is to call us to repentance, call us to turn to Jesus and put our faith in Jesus and believe the gospel, the good news about what Jesus did for us. And if we reject that, if we blaspheme the Holy Spirit by rejecting the work of the Holy Spirit, then there there is no forgiveness available to us but we see examples in the Bible of times when God forgave people who committed murder. Now, what we, you know, one of the big speculations people have is, can God forgive a person who's committed suicide? And there have been some Christian traditions uh, in history that have said no, because by doing that, you have destroyed the temple of the Holy Spirit, and therefore there is no forgiveness for a person who commit suicide. But I think that's an incorrect reading of that passage. And so I cannot promise you that your cousin uh, went to heaven. I cannot promise you that your husband's, or your, sorry, your cousin's forgiven of that sin. Here's, here's what I can tell you is that, see, I don't know where your cousin was at with the Lord and with believing the gospel before these things took place. But, um, but here's the thing is that there, I believe that there are times when, you know, people have trusted Jesus, they've, they've believed the gospel, and in a moment of extreme weakness, yeah. they commit this sin of, of killing themselves. Yeah. And I do believe that, you know, the idea with what Jesus did is that he forgave, he, when he forgives somebody, 
that forgiveness applies to every sin that they have committed and ever will commit. But again, my my issue here is that I can't give you a definitive answer about your cousin because I don't know where he was at with the Lord Jesus, whether where he was at with believing the gospel. And again, like we said with a previous texture, that's really something that only God can know. Yes. And so, and also, um, Pastor, can you pray for me? Because yes, I've been absolutely. having anxiety, body pains um, from my, my job. But I like my job. It's just, it's so many managers come through there, and they have such, I don't know, contemptive, shall I say, attitudes toward the people that work there. And I don't know. I'm just going to stick it out. But I love my job. Like I said, I just want you to pray for me. Yeah, absolutely. Heavenly Father, I pray for Deborah. I thank you that she has a job. and uh, But, Lord, I do pray for her anxiety and her stress level there. Lord, I pray that you'd be with her. I pray that you would give her the strength to do these things. And, and Lord, I think about the pain that she's feeling because of the loss of her cousin and the anxiety about where he's at. Lord, I pray that you would give her peace. But I also pray, Lord, that as she turns to you, that she would trust in the gospel and that she would find the rest in her soul, which is uh, able to take away the anxiety in her heart and her mind. Lord, the rest that comes from knowing that she is right with you and, Lord, that uh, she can do her job without needing her job to, to prove herself or do anything like that. She can take whatever difficulties this life brings at her because she's got the hope of the gospel, the hope of heaven, and hope for this life. So, Lord, would you please bless Deborah. Draw near to her as she draws near to you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Because also Amen. I was reading in the Bible, if God is for you, no one can be against you. Amen. 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 Thank you, Pastor, so much. I you feel bet. much better. God bless you. All right, bye-bye. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts on the air today. We have about 13 minutes left in the show, and let's go back over to our text line. Let me give you the numbers to call. The number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000 to call in, or you can text us at 720-336-0897. Again, that text line, 720-336-0897. Let's go back to our text line. We have one. It says, uh, why do Jehovah's Witnesses say it is a sin to do blood transfusions? This is from Lloyd in Aurora, Colorado. Hey, Lloyd, so the answer to your question is that the reason they do that is because the Old Testament says very clearly that life is in the blood, and so they believe that it is uh, defilement to mix an, one person's blood with another person's blood. That's really all it comes down to. Um, now, we, we don't believe this as Christians. It's really an interpretation of what it, un, we mean by understanding that life is in the blood. But uh, Christians have historically not had a problem with the idea of blood transfusions. We see it as uh, you know one of these medical things that God has given wisdom to people and the ability to figure out these kind of medical things for the benefit of mankind and for, um, you know, it's one of the ways that God carries out healing through people. So we believe that God can supernaturally heal but then we also believe that God uh, can heal in these ways through doctors as well. So thanks for the question, Lloyd. You're listening to Calvary Live. Let's go to Terry in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Hi, Terry. Hi, Pastor Nick. How are you? Doing well. I would just like to comment on a caller that called in about the Native American jewelry. Yeah, just so just for context for our callers, uh, 
or for our listeners in Colorado, is that this is a call we received last week, correct? Yes, yes. Okay. And so, um, so go ahead. I, I heard her story or, you know, her little bit of information. I didn't catch her name, but if she is listening uh, tonight, um, I would say wear the jewelry and be proud of it um, because she's thinking it's something nice that she did out mm-hmm. of her heart to give to her. Um, as long as it's not representing a Satanism symbol, mm-hmm. um, it was still a piece of jewelry that she gave her t- to be uh, friendly. And right. the other thing I'd like to say is um, you never know when God's going to open up a door for this woman to be able to witness to her of God's love. And when that right time comes, the Holy Spirit can work through her for her to say the right things to her that she needs to hear. And you never know when you can change somebody's life around. Yeah. So I would still stay friends with her, mm-hmm. but also pray for her uh, that she seeks the truth and that she seeks Jesus. Mm-hmm. And this woman might be the right person that can do that in the near future. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Thanks, so. thanks, Terry. Appreciate it. Yeah, so just for some context for some of our listeners is that we had somebody call in last week who was just asking, you know, what should they do about this person who had given her some jewelry, and um, she felt that there was kind of an odd relationship between the two of them. She was trying to be a witness to this person, but felt that this jewelry was kind of compromising. Uh, and, and so, yeah, I appreciate that call, Terry, and thanks for tuning in and listening. We're supposed oh. to be good witnesses for the Lord, and you never know when that opportunity can come. Absolutely. Uh, just because we're opposite and we're not believing in the same thing, you never know when God's going to work on our behalf. Amen. 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 Hey, thanks for the call, <laughs> Terry, and uh, God bless you. All right. Bye-bye. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. I'm taking your calls and texts on the air today. The number to call is 303-690-3000. 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. Let's go back to our text line as we wait for... We've got uh, about eight minutes left in the show. Uh, we'll see if we have any more callers come in before the end of the show. Okay, yes, it looks like we we have also Denise on line one in Berthoud, Colorado. Hi, Denise. Welcome to the program. Hi, how are you? Doing well. What's up? Um, I am I am I'm from Ohio. I've been out here two and a half, going on three years. Was in a prominent ministry church in Ohio. Um, long story short, there was just a lot of uh, betrayals and things that happened that the church ended up closing, just, it was a mess, and so since I've come out here, I have not been able to connect the ministry, or I miss ministry, but I'm finding when I go to a church, I, I, see, I feel like I'm being judgmental, I'll see or observe something, and it just brings up old wounds that mm-hmm. are, I just don't want to go there, and so then I just don't. I don't go anywhere. I don't I haven't found a home church yet. There's a great church right down the block from me, but I seem to when I go there 
I feel, I just feel old wounds coming up, and I can't seem to get past it. And it's, um, I, I just, how to move forward and get back into the ministry like I was for 15 years in Ohio. Yeah. You know, so here's two things I'd want to say to you. Number one is, I would encourage you not to make your main goal to be get to be to get back into ministry. I would say that make your goal to to find a church where you can plug in and where you can get on board with the uh the where you can be ministered to and where you can agree with their mission. And so you know, I I think when when we go into a church and we're looking at things honestly, I, I don't think it'd be it doesn't take that much skill or knowledge to find something wrong, right? Because uh, that that's actually the easy part, is really finding something wrong. You know, and you can do that whether it's a church or a school board meeting or whatever you're going to. Um, I would encourage you rather to, to consider some of the uh, the biblical injunctions, right? Like I think about in Ephesians chapter 4, to strive to maintain the unity or the, the bond of love and the unity. Oh, sorry, I'm... I'm misquoting this verse because I'm trying to quote it from memory. I'm going to look it up. But uh, that that would be my advice to you is really make that your challenge to yourself is that you're going to go in there and you're going to go in to receive and also just to be a blessing and to hear the word of God spoken. And you know what? There really are going to be things that you don't like in any place you go. Um, but I would say, hey, before you make it your goal to try and find a place where you can get back into ministry, try and find a place where you can where you can settle down. And, uh, and so here's what it says, strive to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. And, uh, you know, I think there's so, these are very important injunctions, you know. Um, yeah, so, th- so that would be my advice to you. I'm sorry about the, the difficulties and wounds that you received uh, in that church. I, I hear, though, something good in you that you want to get back in. Right. And I, I miss the connection with other Christians and. Um, it's just, and I know, and that's the, when I go into a church, I find myself doing that. It's like, I, okay, I'm not treating these people fair. I'm just, they're, they're being unfairly judged for something that happened, you know, a while back in Ohio. So, and I need to sit under teaching right now. I, I guess my end goal would be to be in ministry, but I understand I need to be under teaching and, so that I can be healed, but it's, I try, and I, I feel I just need maybe some prayer to get me to see things or just not even to go in your judging and just listen to what God has for me and me alone. Yeah. Well, let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I pray for Denise, and I do pray, Lord, that you would help her to process these things, the difficult things that she's been through. I pray, Lord, that you would heal her emotionally from some of those wounds that she might have received. And Lord, I also just pray that you would help her as she struggles with this judgmental attitude that she knows she doesn't want to have and she knows that the right thing to do. Lord, would you give her the strength to do it and to put it into practice? And Lord, would you truly direct her to the right place for her where she can get plugged in, where she can get into, um, maybe even eventually step into ministry, but more importantly, where she can get in and she can contribute and she can serve also at the same time while receiving and hearing the word of God being taught. So Lord, please direct her, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Thank you so much. You have a yeah, blessed you day. All right, you too. Bye-bye. Bye.
You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. We're coming up on the last three minutes of our program today. Uh, let's go back to our text line where we had a couple questions come in. One person asked this question. If you attend a homosexual wedding, are you condoning their sin? Yeah, I've had this question come in before, once before, and I didn't answer it on the air. Um, but this gives me a kind of an opportunity to answer both of you who have uh, asked about this. I think that the issue with, with going to, if you were invited to a homosexual wedding, should you go? I think it comes to really one big question, which is, why are you going? Um, and so if you are going uh, just to attend and to celebrate this couple's love, then I would say yes, in that sense. I think you are condoning what they're doing, and I think that, that in that case, uh, it would be wrong to go. I think, though, on the other hand, there can be a sense uh, in which you could be present there not to celebrate, but to not uh, burn a bridge, so to say. In other words, uh, not affirming, but out of a desire to keep a relationship with that person, then I think you might be able to justify it. So, um, you know, I, I think you really need to ask the question, why are you going? What is your motivation in going? And, uh, and what are your concerns? And really wrestle through those with God and, and ask him, what should I do? Uh, you know, that he was a, that Jesus was a man who associated with sinners. He, he associated with prostitutes, with um, tax collectors, with people who are in the midst of their sin, and yet he didn't condone it. And yet he was there present with them and he was able to help them to, to come to know God uh, by being incarnational in the midst of them. So really do pray about that and I do pray that God would give you wisdom. We've reached the end of our program. You've been listening to Calvary Live. My name is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont. God bless you. I'll be with you again next week. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's Word.